Trey Young's arrived, man. Superstar. Yeah. When I look at this now, that is the definition of, of what a superstar is when you look at everything he's been able to do this season. Hello and welcome to the Friday, June 25th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're all having an awesome day and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I do have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you won't miss an episode and just show your support. That would be highly, highly appreciated. And for all my podcast listeners, remember to subscribe if you're on Apple, leave a review. And for my Spotify, Anchor, or Podbean listeners, just support in any way you can. I really do appreciate all of you. I have an awesome show lineup for you today, and we also have a returning guest. He was on here a couple weeks ago, but our time was cut short because my man is a busy man. But but we got but we got some time here today. We're gonna it's gonna be a nice chill pod. It's gonna be a nice chill podcast episode today. I have back Joe from the Critical Condition Sports Podcast. How's it going, my guy? It's going great, brother. Happy to be back. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome episode. Crazy, crazy NBA playoffs so far. I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. We've been talking about it all week, Joe and I, and this guy has a bunch of stuff to say. So, you know, with the hot takes, you know, with the energy, we got to bring Joe back on. So it's going to be an awesome episode today. Going to be talking about the two series. Going to be talking about the NBA draft lottery, which happened this week as well. And the two, the Team USA final roster. And maybe some other news and notes at the end, and we, we might just discuss that a little bit. But it's going to be an awesome packed episode. I'm um, going to put all the links to Joe in my description of the video and also in my link tree so you could go check out all of his stuff. He continues to put out work, um, lots of interviews with UFC guys. I mean, Joe, what's going on on your podcast right now? Uh, just not, nothing. Everything's great, man. Right now, it's just been nothing but working and grinding through it, man, and just a lot of awesome stuff coming out the next uh, few weeks, man. Uh, this week's ep- uh, episode is going to be with uh, guest Forquan Chimia, who is a uh, fighter from the UK. He's actually signed with one championship. So he'll we'll have an interview tomorrow with him. Then uh, actually Thursday, next week on Thursday, I'll be doing an Instagram live with an MMA fighter. And I'm actually going to have two interviews with two different fighters uh, coming out next week, man. I have... Leonardo Damiani, who's going to be on the Contender Series. And then the following week will be Connor Rogers from the NFL. He's an NFL scout for Bleacher Report. So he'll be coming on the show for that. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome, man. I mean, check out all of his stuff. This guy is putting in mad work. He's doing some Instagram lives, YouTube videos, the podcast. This guy is everywhere. You should go definitely check him out for just awesome, awesome sports content. I really do recommend. But man, there's a lot of but man, there's a lot of NBA basketball to talk about here. And we're gonna start off with last night's game. Yes, we're starting with the Eastern Conference Finals game one. And the Atlanta Hawks pull off the upset, winning 116 to 113. Trey Young with a masterful, masterful performance. 48 points, 11 assists, seven rebounds. Giannis, you know, did his thing, 34 points, 12 rebounds, but Trey was just on another other level yesterday. Drew Holiday, 30, 33 and 10. And also on the Atlanta Hawks side, John Collins, 23-15 to help out Trey Young. Joe, you watched the game last night. I watched the game. We both were talking about it after the game. I mean, what did you see in that game and what impressed you most about what Trey Young did and what Atlanta did? Trey Young's arrived, man. Superstar. Yeah. 
the, when I look at this now, that is the definition of, of what a superstar is when you look at everything he's been able to have done this season. Of course, the team is good. They have some young pieces there that are very talented players there, and they've all done their part in throughout different times in these playoffs, whether it's Warder, whether it's Collins, whether it's Capella stepping up yeah. throughout the entire offseason or throughout the entire playoffs for them. And, you know, props up to them. You know, McMillan's doing a great job there coaching them. So it's been great for them right now. I think the most impressive thing is just Trey Young's consistency, man. That yeah. to me is what defines a superstar and how they would take the next step. You're in the NBA, brother. You know, yeah. you're talented if you're in the NBA. You can put up points. Any guy can do that, man. Mm-hmm. You, any guy can take you to the playoffs. You, obviously, we've seen this. We've seen players that aren't known to be clutch at least get them to the dance. But mm-hmm. to truly, truly, truly establish yourself, establish yourself as a superstar, you got to be able to do the things that Trey has done. And he has led this team time and time and again and stepped up in huge moments already in this playoffs whether it was going into a hostile environment for the milwaukee against the milwaukee bucks whether it was game seven on the road against philly whether it was going in game one against the new york knicks in such a crazy environment this guy has stepped up brother that is the definition of a superstar and that truly is what you're looking for man uh, people throw that word out a lot i don't yeah, man, man, you're absolutely right. Trey Young has absolutely arrived. And what's honestly been so impressive about his run in the Atlanta Hawks run in general is how he's been able to be so effective against very good defenses. I mean, the New York Knicks, top six defense all season long. Philadelphia, you had to go up against Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid at the rim, and this guy was still dominating. And now going up against the Milwaukee Bucks and going up against Drew Holiday, one of the premier perimeter defenders, and he absolutely cooked them, absolutely cooked them all day long. Obviously, everyone has seen the play where he crossed Drew Holiday up. No one came to contest. He did a little shimmy right before he pulled up for three and hit a swish like right in front of the Milwaukee fans. And he and he was, you know, you know, talking trash and all that. But he's just such a fun player to watch. Not only does he have the game, he has the inside game, the outside game, the passing. But he has charisma. He makes the game fun to watch. And you just can't take your eyes off the screen when Trey Young is on the court. And, I mean, you know, the Hawks, I mean, the other Hawks players have been helping him out. I mean, John Collins yesterday was great, 23 and 15. Um, Clint Capella, 19 rebounds. I mean, those two guys combining for 34 rebounds was massive. And, you know, people like Kevin Herter, I mean, he was awesome. Game 7 versus 76ers helped chip in with 13 points yesterday. This has been a really good just all-around team effort just throughout these playoffs. But, of course, it always starts and it finishes with Trey Young. And he has been up there. I mean, you are dubbing him as a superstar. I'm very close to putting him on that level as well. This guy has done it all. And the way that he's just able to, like, you know, express himself, the way he's able to just, like, interact with the fans, just make it such an interactive game is something – I think like not a lot of people talk about in terms of superstardom, but he has the personality for it. Trey Young has been amazing. But what happened to the Bucks here? I mean, the Bucks are were the favorites going into this game, and it looks like they got shook. I mean, they were one of the best defenses in basketball, but Trey Young absolutely cooked them. They couldn't win the, the rebounding battle, which they were one of the best rebounding teams in basketball all season long. Joe, what happened to the Bucks? Okay, so I'm gonna go on record in saying that I think you know Milwaukee was gonna win this series, and you know, I thought that for Giannis, it was a very big moment for, for him for him and the team to be able to go out there and step up and win against Nets. To me, though, that was like a championship t- kind of a level in the series for them. I think that going into game one, 
Uh, in my opinion, I had the Hawks winning game one just because of the fact that Milwaukee had just run through so many emotions. Granted, both of these teams went through a seven-game series, though. I think for Milwaukee, it was just a lot more of a draining series, whether, you know, they're getting their butts kicked for the first two games. Obviously, the headlines, right? All the attentions on Giannis. Is he a true superstar? Can he win? Can he advance? Budenholzer, you know, what's his future going to be like if they lose this series? Back and forth series, right? Then yeah. you go up to game seven. That was, it was, God, it was such an emotional game yeah. seven, man. It was a hell of a freaking basketball game. Yeah. And they survived. They survived. They won and they survived. And players that you don't normally see step up or come up clutch, like Middleton that came in clutch for them, Drew, uh, Drew Holiday that, you know, made some really, really clutch plays late for them. And unfamiliar territory for these guys was real big key. But again, it was such a draining series for them emotional they're high on emotions they're happy because they beat a team you know that a lot of people are saying was was gonna beat them and a lot of people were picking for them to go to the finals i think they were just so high on emotions they went into game one and they, they came out flat in that sense where you know it gave them the upset for the hawks yeah under the radar brother no one no one gave them a, a shot in hell a lot of people like myself had them get eliminated in the first round yeah they're playing with house money brother yeah That's what happened yeah, and that's scary, especially because, like, you know, they made it this far. No one expected them to come here. So they're like, hey, we're just happy to be here at this point. And they're like, yeah. they're like playing like there's no pressure on them whatsoever because they exceeded all expectations already. If they get eliminated here, it's expected, whatever. But the the Bucks did have all the pressure. And look, Giannis stepped up yesterday. He was really good, 34 points, including 12 of those in the in the fourth quarter. Drew Holiday, man, best game of the playoffs, 33 and 10. But I think what really was a difference for them here, and I think has been kind of a bogey card for them all series long, was Chris Milton. Because sometimes he would have like he would have games where he is the best Bucks player on the court. But again, he has like his low points, and it goes pretty bad. And one of them, and one of them was 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 like yesterday, man. This guy is a freaking roller coaster. Like if he like at, at his peak, this guy could like be like the closer. This guy could be like someone who can get any shot off. But yesterday, six for 23, 15 points, five rebounds, four assists. I mean, he just couldn't get anything going. And when Trey Young is playing the way he's playing and the Hawks are getting the type of production they had, you're not going to win when when your second best player is like shooting 0 for 9 for 3. I mean, this is just like, this is something that the Bucks just cannot afford to for them to happen. And look, the thing about Chris Milton is like, look, he's going to have a bad game here. He's probably going to have a bounce back game next year, um, next game. So, I mean, it, it comes and goes with Chris Milton, but I think the Hawks really played a perfect game. I think um, Joe put this perfectly. Like, if if they were going to win a game, the Atlanta Hawks, it was going to be game one because the, the Bucks emotional, emotional game, they got here. And although it was a home game, the Atlanta Hawks, they're just playing free, like, just playing free. They don't, they're, they're playing kind of like, um, kind of like a free-flowing way of basketball. And they're just, like, not stressed whatsoever. The Bucks have the pressure. Yes, they lost game one, but I still think they got a good chance in the series. But man, the Hawks were toying with them all game long. I mean, I, I talked I talked about that three from Trey Young. I mean, did you see that that lob that he did to John Collins? No. No. Oh my goodness. This guy, like this is like this wasn't even on a fast break. This guy was like driving down the lane. He threw it off the glass, and John Collins did like some alley-oop dunk. It was absolutely insane. Like they were just toying around with them. And you don't see that very much from Milwaukee. So yeah, congrats to the Hawks from game one. But the way yeah. I see this is that, you know, they played a near perfect game to beat one of the 
like the be- like one of the best teams in the East, and the Bucks did not have like any good production from Chris Milton. So, yes, I still have the Bucks winning the series, but man, the Hawks are gonna definitely make it tough. Oh, I I agree with you there. Uh, here's the thing though, and I will tell you this though, if Atlanta stays healthy and yeah. they win the next game and they go two nothing, it's over. It's over. Is is it over? I you think don't think they did? I think you, it's you, over. I think it's over just because. There's just there's I know there's a lot of firepower, but they're again if they're healthy, man. If they're healthy, and again they have, re- like each a random player on there is having is gonna step up and have good games to be able to give them an extra push there, man. So I I think it's over if it's they're healthy and Atlanta wins game two. I just don't I don't I don't think Milwaukee can bounce back this time around because they won they won they won the last series, bro. And you know what? I've been so critical of Giannis. We've had these conversations. Yeah. I just don't think they can overcome this again. I think they got a lot of lucky breaks, and I'm not even going to point out to them. We both know they got a lot of lucky breaks in the last series. Yeah. And they barely escaped. That's yeah. my view. Yeah. And, like, again, they, they're they facing against one of the best guards in basketball. But, yeah. I mean, it's crazy what's happening right now. But if you're Milwaukee, I mean, what do you do? Like, would you rather bet on the fact that Trey Young's going to, you know, score 40 a game and just protect uh, or defend the other guys? Or would you, like, would you try to get the ball in your hands? Because literally anything they're try- they tried to do last game just didn't work. So if you're the Bucks, I mean, what are they supposed to do with Trey Young? I think, I mean, you got to put your best defender on him. And, you know, That's there's – when you're playing good, when you're playing good defense and you're one of those premier defensive teams like the Bucks are, but you're playing against freaking, you know, the re the reincarnation of Steph Curry on there on, on the court, brother, <laughs> it's going to be really hard. Yeah. You can't, you can't stop them. Your only hope is that you catch them on off night or you slow him down. Kind of like how the Mavs, uh, the Mavs went, went about it with Luca. And they, you know, by that, I mean the Clippers, sorry. Yeah. Clippers went about it with Luca. I mean, they couldn't slow him down. They put Kawhi on him and Luca was still dropping 40. There's not so much. I think the most important thing for Milwaukee is to D up on everyone else, except for Trey, I guess, you know, you're going yeah. to put your best defender on there, but you have to understand that. He's going to get his superstar yeah. talent. He's going to get, he's going to get it, man. He's going to get his points. You're not going to be able to slow down a Steph Curry kind of a player like that, man. So yeah. I think they need to just focus on everyone else and yeah. obviously put your, de- put your best defender on Trey, focus on everyone else as well, though, and try to shut them down to the best that you can. Cause you can't slow down Bogdanovich. You can't slow down Collins, Capella. Yeah. And I think just Giannis needs to really take advantage of the size differential between himself and a lot of the players for Atlanta. He's got yeah. the stature. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, they did have their best def- like perimeter defender at the least on Trey Young, but he just kept getting cooked all game long. Drew Hall. Exactly. It, it happens. I mean, there's not much you could do, man. And the thing is, like, especially on those pick and rolls, you have um, either John Collins or Kirk Capella setting the screen. And then Brooke Lopez is caught in no man's around Atlanta. I mean, what are you going to do if you step up? He's just going to throw a lob to them, as seen multiple times throughout the playoffs. Or if you don't step up, he's just going to hit that floater because that floater game is just as deadly as his three-point shooting game. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy like, the way poison. he's – Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just got to do what you got to do. But, I mean, the Bucks, Mike Boonholzer, I know that you don't like doing this much, but you got to make adjustments. you got to make some sort of adjustments. And it's, it's going to be – a win, though. They'll win. I still think they'll win. Yeah, but they're going to have to try and do something about these, like, uh, I mean, if Trey Young, sure, he can score 48, but you can't be giving up 24 points to John Collins if he's scoring, like, 48. Like, you got to do better, at least on the other guys. And I think your offense will be fine enough to carry that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
Do you think, though, that uh, Bud's job is on the line here, though? He loses the series, he's out? <laughs> this is the thing. I, I, I mean, you're asking someone who does not like Coach Bud in the slightest. I mean, if they do yeah. win the championship, I still oh, yeah, want him out. Yeah. I still want him I out. <laughs> I mean, I like, I had, to, I, had to oh, ask this, I had to I had to ask this question on Twitter. I'm like, can someone win a championship and can you still fire him as a coach? Because honestly, like ever since the Toronto series back in 2019, I've been tired of his tactics. This guy barely wants to change stuff. Like, I've been wanting him out. But the thing is, I'm like, <laughs> you can't fire a championship coach. You just can't. And I think that's what's probably going to happen. But um, if they... It's been, I mean, if they make it to the finals, he's staying, which I personally don't want to see, but that's what's going to happen because he's like, he, he finally has on his resume. Okay. We've made the finals. Just give me another chance and I can get this team, you know, to win the championship, even though I don't want it. That's what's going to happen with the Bucks. I really, I truly believe that. Yeah. 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 But before we move on to the next series, I mean, we talked about this yesterday. You talked about how Trey has like really impressed you. Do you think he's a top five point guard at this point? I mean, one of the deepest positions in in the NBA today. Do you consider him a top five point guard? Uh, I would right now. You would. I would right now. I would. Yeah, yeah. I would right now. I mean, when you look at these players, and obviously people want to say, "Oh, Kyrie Irving and stuff like that." Let's just take that for example, right? Because we obviously know the best ones like Steph and Dame, right? Yeah. But you know, obviously, when you get to four and five, you know, it's interchangeable. Uh, he's better than he's better than Kyrie right now, just because of the fact that. Look what Kyrie, what was Kyrie Irving before LeBron James walked into his life in Cleveland? What were they? Nothing, right? Fair. Dysfunction, right? And it's dysfunction. Yeah. It's hard to overcome. I mean, Atlanta Hawks, they weren't world beaters. They were in a below average, average team at best. Never really done anything. Never won a championship. Similar like how the Cavs, the Cavs were. Mm-hmm. And this guy, you know, within the first few seasons of his career, without getting a LeBron James player to go with them and help teach him how to teach him manners and stuff like that mm-hmm. and or coach him like that. He went out there, granted, they built a team, good team, but this guy was able to overcome so much adversity in that sense where he was able to not just take another playoffs, but they're competing. And that's again, him without having a true superstar. Cause you know, Kyrie wasn't a superstar when LeBron went there. It was, right? it was yeah. a LeBron James show. They weren't, they weren't anything without LeBron. And then when LeBron left, they were back to being nothing again. Yeah. And Trey Young hasn't needed something like that. And I've seen what Trey's been able to overcome. Yeah. And it's more impressive, in my opinion. So that's why I put him over Kyrie. Yeah. I mean, like, if you look at the top, I think the top three are kind of set right now. You got Steph, you got Luca, yeah. you got Dame. I think those three are the top three point guards. You really can't debate it. But then you got the next three. And I think that Trey Young has involved himself in those next three at the moment, where you have the Chris Paul, you have the Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. And now he, I think, has joined that class. Right now, I would have him number four, number five. I would say number five at the moment. I think Chris Paul's impact and what he's been able to do for the Suns, I think, puts him over just a it bit. Is. And I'm one of the biggest. And I'm one of the biggest Chris Paul, um, Chris Paul fanboys. I'll just, I'm gonna defend this guy. Oh, you're right, 100%. yeah, percent. Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, in terms of, I mean, what he's able to do as a leader too at the point guard position, I gotta have him Kyrie over Kyrie just at this moment. I mean, but I think, again, this type of thing is kind of um, flipping back and forth. But, yeah, Trey Young, I mean, we, me and Joe both say it. He is a top five point guard right now. This guy is just playing absolutely phenomenal. Superstar, brother. Superstar, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this guy's People amazing. throw that word out, man. And it, no, nah, man, you got to know what you're watching. Yeah. You know, 
that's a star. Yeah, that's a whole different conversation and like for yeah. a whole other podcast. Like, what is a superstar? Yeah. We, we'll de- we yeah, definitely yeah, need definitely. to talk about that down the line. But we got to talk about the Western Conference Finals and that crazy, crazy game too. I mean, the NBA has been absolutely crazy right now and not just because of these crazy games, but I mean, if you think of the four teams that are remaining, I mean, it's the Bucks, the Hawks, the Clippers, and the Suns. I mean, like, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk that this would have been, like, the teams that are going to be in the, the final four in the NBA? But let's talk about game two. The Phoenix Suns escape with the victory, and I mean escape, winning 104 to 103 against the um, Los Angeles Clippers on a DeAndre Aiden alley-oop dunk to win them the game. I mean, he had a great game, 24 points, 14 rebounds. Cameron Payne, no turnovers in this game, 29 points, 29 assists. This guy was What's amazing. What's up with that guy, man? <laughs> this guy was in discussions for being one of the worst players in basketball two years ago. This guy is yeah. in the Western Conference Finals, and like he has, to, he has to take the place of an all-time player in Chris Paul. And he's playing phenomenal. He is playing absolutely phenomenal. He's like exceeding expectations. I mean, I'm happy for the guy, but I'm like, where, where the heck did this come from? It's, it's absolutely amazing. The, the NBA is amazing, man. And Devin Booker struggled in this game, 20 points, five for 16 shooting. And on the Clippers side of things, you know, Reggie Jackson with 19 points, um, Zubach 14 and 11, and Paul George, he had 26 points, but we're going to get into him very shortly. But Joe, I should, should, yeah, I'm going to go to Joe. I know what he's going to go to next, but what do you think of this game? And, you know, how, like, do you think the Clippers can bounce back? Well, my friend, first of all, I told you I would do something, so I will yeah. do it now. I want to apologize to Paul George because I didn't think he had it in him to be yeah. able to move off the last series. Okay. I'm Fair. sorry, Paul. Yeah. Fair. All right, now that we got that out of the way. <laughs> man, I'm my word here. Yeah. Anyway, so going back to this game, God, man, did Paul George just not find a way to screw this team? Two free throws, right? Right. Yeah. That's a that's eight a seconds left. Story yeah. here. Eight seconds left. God. Anyways, man, I think it's it's over. Phoenix is going to win this series. Uh, Phoenix is going to win this series just because of the fact that Booker, without Chris Paul, without their fearless leader, the reason that that wheel keeps on spinning, and Devin Booker having a terrible game, to his standards, right? Be- yeah. Because he is a very very great player. He is a yeah. star, not a yeah. superstar, but a star. Star for yeah. And he's fantastic. And again, he didn't have a good, he didn't have a crazy Devin Booker like game, like in game one. And man, they were able to escape with the win. Seeing the way that Paul George obviously blew that game for them shows me obviously why Paul George isn't a number one guy. Yeah. Show show up on occasions, but I just felt terrible for the Clippers because they, they, they fought, they, you know, they deserved a win. They deserved a win. They did. And that kind of crap happens at the end. Granted, I mean, whoever drew up that play, the head coach or the ex and the execution was just yeah. on point. Yeah. From the coach to the game plan to the, the execution. Pass, to it, the, was yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Phenomenal. Phoenix deserved to win too, you know, and no, I'm not going to take anything away from them. The, obviously, I'm not going to say, oh, that was lucky. I mean, brother, the execution was just on point. And they, I mean, again, they deserve to win as well. And obviously, the team that had the ball at the end made the play. And Phoenix did that, so yeah, nothing but respect. Yeah, you know, obviously, I we have different feelings about what what they've been able to accomplish this season. Um, yeah, granted, but you know they won the game and and they were the better team and they are the better team in this series without you know the Clippers having Kawhi there. Again, yeah, yeah, Phoenix won. Uh, that's 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I, I felt bad for Paul George because he brought him back in this game, which which was the thing, which was the thing. He hit two threes in the final five minutes. This guy hit a mid range jumper, which which got him back in the game. But people will always remember what you did last, and those two things. As much as people want to say, like, I'm not blaming Paul George for the entirety of this game, but he just I'm needed not. to hit one. He just needed to hit one to even at least send it to overtime. One yeah, just to keep him alive, but missing both, man. That's, I mean, it, it, that was just hard to watch. And the Suns, fair play. That execution was beautiful. Um, they did this in the, like this is the second time they've done this in the last four years. They did it when they had Jay Triano in 2017, and they did the exact same play to Tyson Chandler, where they knew, look, if the ball goes over the rim on an inbound, I mean, it's not a shot, so you could do, you know, that basket interference thing that doesn't apply to an inbound pass. So. They knew what to do. DeAndre Aiden went and got that ball, dunked it down. They got the win. Fair play to them. Especially because Devin Booker, like I mentioned earlier, 5 for 16 shooting. Pat Bev was bothering him all game. Um, Obviously, you saw what happened with his nose and Patrick Beverly's Beverly's head. That was an ugly, ugly collision. So, But the the Suns were able to pull pull it out. Cameron Payne was just a masterful in this game. DeAndre Aiden won the big man battle once again. But yeah, I mean, they the the Clippers. This is the opportunity to win. Paul George just couldn't hit a free throw, and now they're down 2-0. I mean, they have done this. Um, they've won both series earlier this um, postseason where they've come down from 2-0 deficits. But the difference now, and and Joe mentioned this, there's no Kawhi Leonard. There's no Kawhi Leonard, man. And the Clippers had their chance to get any of these two games, especially with the Suns without Chris Paul, and they weren't able to get it. So I am in the same boat. I mean, it just really does feel like it's over for them. But, I mean, I don't think Kawhi Leonard's coming back, man. Like, do you think he'll come back? No, uh, uh, not the way, not the way it, it, it's looking. Like he's out game three. I mean, let's just say, right, the Suns win game three, and what's the point of him coming back, you know, at that point? Yeah, I mean, like, you, you I mean, don't want to force things, sucks. right? It sucks yeah, because – it does suck. Um, and the Clippers, you know, fair play to them. You mentioned, I mean, they won those last two games in Utah without him against a healthy Utah team. So fair play to them. But I think that's as far as they'll go. I mean, the Suns team is different this year. The Suns team is different. They have a different mentality and they're, they have an eye towards the, the finals, man. And I think, I mean, you, we're going to talk about this later in the next segment, but um, we definitely have different views on the Suns um, and how they've run. But Chris Paul should be back game three. They um they, yep, he should he be back. back game three. He is back. Done so deal. yep. Done so deal. that's so that's gonna Later. be so it's gonna be I think that's gonna if they win tonight, it's gonna be uh, like basically the nail in the coffin for the Clippers. But you know, you know, fair play to them. They were able to make it to the conference finals. Um it's gonna be interesting to see what they do next season. But yeah, the, the Suns, congr- good job on the execution. But before we move on to the next segment, there is another thing I want to talk about. And this has been a big problem of mine throughout this entire NBA season and just with the NBA in general these last few years. What is wrong with replay, man? <laughs> I mean, did you like, and I think you watched the game. I watched the game. Yeah, we're watching you know, that, that one. Yeah, you were watching that one. The last two yeah. minutes of this game took 33 minutes because of all the replays, all the stoppages, all these stupid calls. And it took, 33 minutes to finish the last two uh, minutes of basketball. It's absolutely ridiculous. It took them like, they didn't know what calls to make it. They took like 10 minutes on review. Like, Oh man, it was so hard to watch. I mean, as someone, I mean, obviously the NBA is not your first sport. Um, You do watch football. You do watch some um, UFC MMA, but as a viewer, I mean, 
this is ridiculous, right? It is very ridiculous, man. I think that the NBA is the only sport, and I've always – I think it's fair. Maybe you can correct me, right? But I've always felt this even growing up as a kid. The NBA is the only sport that can turn 30 seconds into, like, 30 minutes, you know, in, in, a, in a game of basketball. And, you know, my first – I remember I was watching the Boston Celtics play, and the game was, like, out of reach, right? But there was still hope, right? You need, like, 33-pointers yeah. to get back in the game, right? It was, like, 20 seconds left. I'm like, God, why are they reviewing this forever? It's only 20 seconds. Let them lose already. That's it. It's done. And the, the, the NBA finds ways to stretch out their games through that. And granted, I understand we're in the playoffs, right? It's a pivotal decisions, right? Yeah. Pivotal decisions. But I think like it's like that every single game, man. It, it does feel that. Yes, yes, yes. And the thing is, I mean, we've seen changes in other sports. I mean, in the NFL, I mean, they have the replay. Like, I'm not sure. Like, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. does the ref make the final decision in terms of these plays if they get challenged or something? Or is it the, the guy the up top? Ref, the head officiator. The head officiator. The head officiator makes the, makes the calls, but granted, you know, the NFL has got, like, obviously, like, you know, there's multiple refs in there, and they all yeah. have, like, their own assignments on what to watch as far as penalties are concerned. Obviously, they have a booth review, so they huddle up, they'll watch the booth together, and then there's somebody, like, in the sky, whatever, like a sky judge yeah. or a judge. Yeah, but but but, 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 but it's a guy not, like, a, but the sky judge or whatever you call him, like, does he, like, help make the decision, like, a lot easier? Well, he'll tell you, yeah, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Or obviously, they'll have that access to that footage, and they'll tell them, like, hey, here's a better angle. All they're trying to do there, the purpose of those people, though, is to get a different angles of everything. As the plays are unfolding, you can get different angles to help the officiating crew make the final decision. Obviously, the, the head ref, umpire, I don't know if I'm even saying that term yeah. correctly here, but he's the one that will make the decision and make the call. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it feels like a lot smoother, at least in the NFL. I mean, soccer has VAR, and that has actually gone pretty smoothly. And it's not even the ref on the field making decision; it's the people in like their own office. I mean, what is the NBA doing? I mean, they have so many people in Secaucus, New Jersey, like like has all these cameras and stuff like that. I mean, they might as well have made the decision because it's taking way too long. And this is not for people like you and me who watch NBA basketball because we love the game. We've watched it for years and stuff like that. But if you want to bring casuals in, I mean, imagine if someone yeah. like who's like watching, I was like, oh, this is like the second last round or something like that. Like the conference finals. I should watch this. Do you really think a casual fan is going to sit there for 30 minutes and watch the back of a referee like review the same play? No, no, no. They're not going to watch that. And I think they, they got to fix something with that. And I've had a problem with this all season long. And now it's being even more, you know, pointed at because it's the playoffs. I mean, everyone's watching the games now. No one wants to see this. And they need to make it's time a time of season to get more fans because you're getting, you know, the casuals in. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, I mean, like, especially that last play, one of the biggest things they're trying to figure out is who was on the court. Like, why did you need 10 minutes to figure out who was on the court that play? I mean, they got to fix something there. And I think, I mean, the NBA has like made changes to the replay system. Obviously, they imp- implement the challenge call, whatever, whatever. But this takes way too long. You cannot have the last two minutes of the game be 33 minutes. I mean, at least the Bucks, the Bucks Atlanta game, two minutes last uh, yesterday. I think it took like about like 10, 15 minutes max, easy. But this one, thirty minutes long. That's just absolutely ridiculous. NBA fixture, fixture stuff, man, fixture stuff. This is because you're no, you're not gonna be getting more fans if you're if you if we were watching Scott Foster and his crew mess up, just trying like seeing a monitor. That's that's just not this, it. This is the time for them to attract people, man. This is. 
this is the time. And now that fans are back, I mean, do you think the fans want to see all the stoppage in play? Nah, nah, nah. No one wants to see that. To, to their credit, a lot of them are getting drunk. To their credit, a lot of them are getting drunk. <laughs> you, you ain't never I'll lie. You, again, you ain't never lie, man. But, I mean, there's that. And also, the the coaches get free timeouts as well, which is like, what's the point of timeouts if you're just going to keep reviewing every single you are play? correct, my friend. So, like, that's you just gonna, that's another thing as well. So, this is just affecting so many things. They just got to make this whole process a lot, a lot faster. But, yeah, let's uh, move on to the next segment. And... So far, I mean, if you and I can agree, if I told you before the season that the four final tees were the Phoenix Suns, Atlanta Hawks, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Bucks, you wouldn't have believed me, right? I want to believe you on two of them. Fair enough. Is it the Hawks and the Suns? Of course. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's just been a crazy, crazy season. We got two teams in the finals that... I, that I would that I don't think anyone expected them to go this far. But it's been an awesome, awesome playoffs. And both all of these teams have a argument for having a very very impressive run so what me and joe are going to do here is we're going to rank them from four to one one being the best four being the worst the four teams who have had um the most impressive runs so far in the playoffs we've had a little bit of debate on this yesterday i think like we both have different um things i think number one we have the same but in terms of the rest it could get a little bit different but joe if you were to rank these four teams and how uh, how impressive their run has been this season what would how would you rank them I'd rank four would be uh, L.A. Clippers. LA. Third would be Milwaukee, and I would yeah. and it, it'd be, be two and three are really really hard for me. Yeah, you know, third would be Milwaukee, two would be Phoenix, and one would be Atlanta. Okay, okay. So like, go through your process. Like, why did you put Atlanta like number one? And L- so- L.A. I mean, again, no one really knew what to expect from them. You know, the whole Kawhi thing and Paul yeah. George, obviously. And then when Kawhi yeah. went down, everyone's assuming that, all right, well, it's over. Yeah, Paul George has stepped up. But as we saw the last game, I mean, Paul George is doing Paul George things, you know. So yeah. that's one. It was impressive seeing how they came came through and able to overcome, you know, those 2-0 deficits, right? But again, I mean, we they shouldn't have even been in that situation. And again, with Kawhi, anything was possible. Yeah. So third – so that's why I'm for third Milwaukee. Um, that game, that uh, series against uh, Brooklyn, was impressive that they were able to win that after getting shellacked the first two games. But again, yeah. dealt with injuries. They got a lucky. They got a, a. They got a nice little card, and they went up against a Boston team in the first round that really wasn't very good without Jalen yeah. Brown there. Yeah. And I don't buy into the whole Jason Tatum's a superstar kind of thing, but we'll talk about that another day. Yeah. Not really impressive win for me. Second. Phoenix, uh, you know, to be quite honest with you, it's still not very impressive for me. It is impressive, I guess, from where they came, you know, last season, how they didn't handle their business and they learned from them that fueled them. But, you know, this was pretty much the identical team. They needed Chris Paul to come in and fix them. And obviously that's why there's free agency. You bring in players, right, to take you to the next level. Chris Paul went in there and showed these kids what's up. But they've gotten a lot of lucky breaks. Less than 100. Mm -hmm. They haven't played a team that's been at 100% yet. They got yeah. a break with LeBron and AD, and they got another break with the Denver. Eh, Jamal Murray, I don't really think highly of him, right? But, you know, regardless, he was down. He probably would have made a difference. It would have at least given him a little bit more of a fight. It wouldn't have been a sweep. And then uh, now with uh, the Clippers, with the Clippers, I mean, they're not at 100% right now. You know, their best player is out, and there's other injuries going on to other uh, key players for them that are key players because Kawhi's not there anymore. So, 
that's not really impressive in there. You know, you want to you want to win. I'm a I'm a fan of sport and winning fair and square. And obviously, albeit the Suns weren't the ones injuring these people. Obviously, they yeah. they're taking care of their business and they won. And not just anyone can go out there and win. So I respect them for that. But you know, it's just you want to win at your best. You don't want to win like that. You don't want to beat people. That, you want to beat people at 100, right? Who knows, right? Maybe I'm the crazy yeah. one. Anyways, Atlanta Hawks, though, just seeing everything that they've had to overcome. Atlanta, obviously, like Phoenix, not really known for a crazy hotspot when it comes to championship pedigree or a historical city when it comes to truly, you know, having a long history of winning, like San Antonio, for example, mm-hmm. you know, what's great throughout the dynasty. Not really respected there. Obviously, they were about an average to below average team. Trey Young and everything that that team was able to overcome. Trey Young was good. But they weren't winning like last season. Yeah. And now they got off to a rocky start after some good uh, free agent acquisitions. And they were able to overcome the head coach getting fired, a rough start, going on to the playoffs. Not just making the playoffs, but remember, people were telling, were saying, oh, if the Knicks can get a, can draw Atlanta, they'll be able to win. That'll be an easier uh, team to beat Go yeah. from going out there. And game one, Madison Square Garden, hostile environment, emotional night they were able to go out there, win, and overcome that. Next series, you know, tough tough series against Philly, but we're, went on the road for a game seven and won. Yeah. And now, going through there, Milwaukee, you know, albeit I had picked them to win, again, it's not thrashing them, and hell, they still could, right, for win yeah. four games in a row. But for them to go, go out there and go win in game one in hostile environment again to win a healthy Milwaukee team, a healthy Philly team and a healthy Knicks team is why it's more impressive for me that Atlanta's number one. Fair enough. Fair enough. We have very, very similar lists. Um, actually, I think in, in terms of the top, we actually have the same two at the top. But in terms of the bottom, I would actually flip the Bucks and the Clippers. At number four, I have the Bucks, just because um, they did catch a break in that second round in the second round series uh, for the Kyrie Irving thing. Uh, obviously, he went down with injury. James Harden was not close to 100%. But they did show a lot of heart. And I think that's something that they lacked a couple like for the last couple of years. So they're able to overcome that and actually like, beat their demons. Fair enough. And they probably, and even though Hawks win game one, they probably could still win the series and maybe have a good chance of winning the championship. At number three, the Clippers. Just because they they came down from ultra differences, um, deficits. Obviously, like you said, they shouldn't have really been in those in the first place, but they were still able to overcome them, especially against the Jazz when they didn't have Kawhi for Game Five and Game Six, and they were able to pull out two really good wins. I think that just takes it over the top for against the um over the Bucks for me. And then number two, I got Phoenix as well. And although you spent some time, you know, bashing them, we we did we were in a bit of a debate last night. But I think what they've we done this what what we've done what they've done this year, I think is really impressive, and it's mostly because you got firstly if you look at um, their regular season, obviously Chris Paul is a big part of it, but it was a bunch of guys just taking that next step. DeAndre Aiden becoming one of the better rim protectors in basketball. You got Devin Booker taking that next step um, in his stardom, and just so many guys around him. Cam Johnson um, putting up some good numbers. Uh, Mikel Bridges campaign was is now one of the best backup point guards in basketball, if not the best backup at this point. Like I mean, just it's like I mean, like Chris Paul has had a huge impact, but everyone around him is just like taking their game to the next level, and I think that has been super impressive. That's fair. Yeah, but round one versus the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. LeBron and AD, fine, fair enough. They're not at 100%. 
But when you but you also have to take in the fact that Chris Paul, at least for that series, was nowhere close to 100%. But the Suns team, even though they did not make the playoffs last year, have not made the playoffs since 2009, were able to stay composed. They go. They went up against LeBron, although probably at eighty percent, but they still were, you know, threatened by the matchup. Devin Booker stepped his game up. DeAndre Aiden stepped his game up, and they were able to compensate for the fact that Chris Paul had his shoulder issues, and they were able to overcome that too. Round two, fair enough. They went against the MVP. Still impressive that they were able to sweep them. I think that I think in a sweep, that's still pretty impressive. But Chris Paul was back. He was healthy the best player in that series, but everyone had a, had a big role. Again, DeAndre Aiden was massive in that series, trying to contain the Joker. Um, obviously, Jamal Murray would have made that a lot better matchup, but I still think that being able to sweep this team, I think is very, very impressive. And now these first two games. Yes, Kawhi Leonard has been out for the Clippers, and I know you're not a huge Paul George fan, but Chris Paul has not played a single game in the series, and this team kind of... But you could tell that this team has feed has learned so much from him and has learned how to handle close game situations, how to um when to get good shots, how to trust each other. And I think the fact that um you have basically like there's their main core of guys here and Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Aiden, and Devin Booker, their first playoff run being able to go up against a a Clippers team who have experienced guys in Rondo, Paul George. They have a coach in Tyron Lue who has won a championship. They were able to um, get two wins without their leader like at home because of COVID-related issues. I think that's very impressive. I don't have a number one, but I think you're really underestimating um, how good, like how impressive the Suns run has been. I'm critical, man. I'm critical. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, man, I mean, come on. I mean, yes, there's been injuries, but look, and I know in a in a dream world we hope that injuries don't exist. But this is oh, this ain't NBA. This ain't NBA 2K. This is a this is a game of basketball. Injuries do happen, and and, and in pressure moments, the Suns have been has been able to show us that they are able to um, to um, handle these pressure moments, even um, with like obviously they're missing some guys on the other side. But this is their You're first right. playoffs, man. They're the first. This is their first playoffs. You got to give them some sort of love. They took. They took care of their business, brother. Hey, they, they again, took care of business. Like they they, they, they were in the playoffs. These, they took care of business. They, Bro, they weren't even the playoffs. I'm just saying. I mean, they took uh, care of business, brother. <laughs> you're, just, I'm, you're right. I'm, but I'm telling you, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're okay. Right, brother. They took care of their, they did their job. You know, they did their job. You <laughs> okay. are correct, my friend. <laughs> it's just the way you're going about it, bro. No, just, you're like, but, yeah. I, but I agree with you. I, yeah. But I'm saying you are uh, right. You, I'm saying you are correct. And I am saying this on camera. You are correct. You're right. They okay. took care of their business, brother. And you know what, though? Yeah. They didn't go out there and hurt these players. So you're fine, right. Fine. They took care of business. Okay. 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> number one. Number I mean, one. Me Atlanta. and TV were going at it last night, guys. <laughs> yeah. okay. no, no, number one, we got to go to the Atlanta Hawks for everything he just said. I mean, this team was 14 and 20 when they fired Lloyd Pierce. <laughs> this guy, they, they were the 10th seed in the East. They bring in Nate McMillan. They go on this crazy run to end the season. And then in these playoffs, going up against the New York Knicks team, who I, I even had the Knicks winning the series uh, as well. I had them winning in seven. The Atlanta Hawks shut. I mean, no, I had the Hawks winning in seven, but they did it so much earlier. They did, they, they were able to take care of business <laughs> and it just dominated in five, man. Last series, it looked like it was all but over. The 76ers, number one seed all season long. But the Hawks fought through 
um, Trey Young went up against one of the best defenses in basketball, did his thing. The Atlanta Hawks were able to pull the victory over a top two MVP candidate and all-star in Ben Simmons, who I don't want to talk about right now. I'm still pissed at him. But um, but they went up against one of the best teams in the East, and they were able to win a tough Game 7 on the road. And now they win this um, Game 1 against Milwaukee. Very, very impressive. Like we talked, I mean, we we talked, we praised Trey Young enough, like earlier in the podcast. He was just able to take his game to a whole new level. And right now, he is a top five point guard, no matter how you want to put it. He is a top five point guard. So, yeah, those that is like my list. That's Joe's list. Do you agree or disagree with any of us? Is he being a bit too harsh on the Suns? Let us know down below please, in the comments section. Please let us know. But yeah, moving on to the next thing, we're moving away um, from NBA basketball at the moment, and we're going to be talking about, uh, sorry, not NBA basketball, NBA playoff basketball. We're going to be talking about something else that happened this week, which has been kind of, you know, not a lot of people are talking about, but as a Raptor fan, I'm happy. We're going to be talking about the NBA draft lottery, and we're, we're both like teams, both, we're both fans of teams who are in the lottery. Joe, not very happy. I myself, very, very happy with the results of the draft lottery. But here are the, like, here are the final results. Golden State at 14, 13 Indiana, 12 San Antonio, 11 Charlotte, 10 New Orleans Pelicans, 9 um, Sacramento Kings, number 8 the Orlando Magic, um, which was the Chicago pick but was converted because they um, it was a top four protected pick in the Vucevic trade. So that Chicago pick converted to Orlando. Golden State um, have the seventh pick as well, which was converted from the Minnesota pick and the Andrew Wiggins deal. It was top three protected. So since it's outside the top three, Golden State get the draft pick. Number six was the Thunder. I know Joe has probably some thoughts on that. Number six, um, the Orlando Magic. Sorry, number five, the Orlando Magic. My Toronto Raptors at number four, and we had the seventh best odds. Very happy we were able to get to the top four. Cleveland, number three. Houston, number two. And Detroit are the winners of this year's draft lottery. Lots of crazy changes. Um, Cleveland and Toronto both moved up um, who were outside the top five and have moved up into the top four. Crazy, crazy stuff. Joe, I'll just ask you a simple question. Who do you think was the biggest winner of this draft lottery and who was the biggest loser? Uh, I think the biggest winner was the Pistons, man. I mean, they're they're going to – the draft starts with them and they're control what they want to do. They could trade the pick. Or they can pick, you know, obviously the number one guy in Kate Cunningham, obviously, which is what they should do. So, I mean, they won. They won. But yeah. I mean, I think I think it starts with that. Yeah. I'm for the biggest winner for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit biased here. I mean, he's won Detroit. I mean, it makes sense. Um, Detroit got number yeah. one. They're gonna get Kate Cunningham, the consensus number one guy in this draft. But I gotta show my love to my Toronto Raptors for a crazy season and Tampa. Um with the seventh best best odds, things just did not go well with the whole Kyle Lowry situation, all the injuries and stuff like that. But the, but you know, basketball works in mysterious ways, and I guess we had good karma um, on our side because this um, we were went from the seventh pick to the fourth pick, which means we have a choice of basically if um, between you know Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, whoever falls to number four, and I think the Raptors will be happy with that, especially with of things transpired there, what happened in Tampa. I'm extremely happy as a Raptor fan. Going to be interesting to see what they do in the offseason, especially what type of deal they can get for Kyle Lowry. But it's going to—it's definitely going to be something like very, very interesting to see. But I'm so, so happy as a Raptor fan um, to get a top four pick. 
I don't know if I told Joe this a couple of days ago, but if the Raptors got the number one pick, you know, I made a bet with a couple of my friends that I was going to dye my hair red. Thank God that didn't happen. Oh. And that, that got me scared for a second, but. Oh, when, they were, when they were announcing it, you're like, oh, snap. I was, I was going to be happy. No, I was like happy that we got top four pick. But then I realized like my friends started texting me. He's like, yo, it's still on the line. And after I'm like, oh my goodness, I actually might have to dye my hair red um, yeah. <laughs> this, this summer, but. It is. Um, it didn't happen. The Raptors still get the number four pick. Very, very happy with that. And yeah, just excited to see who the Raptors are going to be able to draft and add to this nice young core. Exciting time. But, but, Joe, who do you have having the being the biggest losers of this draft lottery? It's got to be Oklahoma City, man. <laughs> I mean, God, they got some really good odds. At least, fin- look, and here's the thing, TV. Like, obviously, right? We're like, oh, I want the number one pick, and that happens, right? I just wanted a top four pick. I would have been happy with a top four pick. I wasn't trying to be greedy and be like, oh, the high. I mean, yeah, whatever, right? We all want to. I yeah. was just happy. I would have been happy with the top four. And then the fact that the Houston pick was, uh, <laughs> I believe it was a top four protected. Yeah. Houston got to keep it. So they got screwed like twice on there. Yeah. So I think it's OKC. Obviously, again, everyone's talking about, you know, top five prospects being the thing, such an Oklahoma thing for them to happen. They're six outside of the top five. <laughs> And I think it's just, if anything, it just raised more question marks on, on the future of this franchise. And there's been question marks the last, yeah. you know, ever since KD left, there's been a lot of question marks. And obviously it's only gotten worse since Russ left and PG. So, you know, unfortunately for Thunder fans, there's just a lot more question, a question marks uh, to be made. And like, I, you know, talk to you, you know, what yeah. is going on with Sam Presti, you know, like, yeah, you can control it, but people have been saying you can control the draft for the last couple of years. You know, you traded Paul George last year or two years ago. Yeah. You know, do something. Yeah. I mean, as a Thunder fan yourself, I mean, you have all this draft capital with you right now. I mean, this is a really good draft. And we discussed this. The top four, top five guys look like to be like game changers for a franchise. Do you think the Oklahoma City Thunder should just trade up? I mean, they already have all the assets in the world. I mean... If I'm them, I'd be trying our best to trade up into the top four. Maybe look at Cleveland. Maybe you can send them a nice little package. Maybe um, you could do something with Houston. I don't know. But do you think Sam Presti should um, um, trade up into the top four? I think he should, man. I think that over the next couple of years, obviously, and everyone's a lot of people have told me this, that, okay, well, they control the draft for the next few years. Yeah, man. But let's just say like you got to do something with those picks, right? TV, because realistically, yeah. and you, again, you're like the basketball expert here. Let's just say, what is it? 17 first round picks, right? Let's yeah. just say it's 17, 17. Okay. Yeah. So realistically, and through your experience of watching basketball, let's say you use all 17 yeah. of those picks. How many are you going to hit on realistically? Realistically, we're not going to hit on all of them, right? Jesus. I'm a, I'm not, you'll be lucky to get 40%. You'll be lucky to get 40%. So I'm okay. going to say, like, just realistically, I'll say out of maybe out of the 17, four or five, four okay. or five. To hit, to hit. Yeah, yeah to yeah. hit. But I mean, and that's 17 picks. And that's, you know, over the next, what is it, six years? Five or six not years. Sure. Yeah. At least yeah. five, five, six years, brother. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, I mean, you're, so you're going to miss on 10, 11, 12 of those picks, you know? Yeah. What's the point? Use it to get somebody. Ben Simmons is out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, sure. Granted, everything I think of, I say of the guy, you could use it to get a guy, superstars worth like value that's you know, really taking a hit like Ben Simmons or, or trade up. You can just do something. Do if, if you trade up, if you trade up and one of those guys busts this year, 
All right. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? Whatever. You make a decision. You try to be aggressive. It didn't work out. It happens. Yeah. Obviously, through an executive role like that, I don't, I don't know that you get to say yeah. that. Oh, well, I messed up. It happens. Yeah. But from a fan's perspective, and for like at least people, journalists, that you'll are, be more respected. You'll be more respected. Yeah, for making the yeah. You the know aggressive what? You move. took a gamble. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to, and I, and I like the point you brought up there because we have just had discussions about what the Thunder should do going forward. I mean, the one thing that the Thunder shouldn't do, and look at the Boston Celtics as an example, is that you shouldn't hoard those picks. You should be using those picks eventually as assets once you start getting your team filled out. Because Boston kept trying to throw darts at a board at mid, at mid draft picks. I like at the spots between 15 to 20. They kept drafting those guys, they kept throwing darts at the board. And they kept missing and they w- didn't have anyone to really impact their team when they could have been using those draft picks to get veterans, get some guys to help fill out the roster beside Jason Tatum, beside Jalen Brown and all of them. They should have been doing that instead of just trying to throw darts at the board. So, yeah, I mean, something Sam Presti, now you're at the beginning of those stages. Like Joe said, try trading up, maybe try to get a Ben Simmons, but don't stay idle. Do not stay idle. I think that, this year, especially because Oklahoma fans were hoping to get a top four pick, that didn't happen. You got to do something, man. You got to do something. And the Thunder, you don't want to be stuck in the lottery for too long. Yeah, exactly. Just huh. and and you got to um, come on, man. You got. I mean, they just got to just do something. Especially what what's happening with Shea Gilgis Alexander right now. So you got to make sure that these you have a good enough roster to help like move forward for sure. But in terms of another loser. Um, another loser for this for me, the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves um, okay. traded their um, top uh, uh, pick, top four protected to uh, the top three protected to the Golden State Warriors in the Andrew Wiggins in the D'Angelo Russell deal. They could have used another, you know, top four pick to help um, get him like you know another nice young piece to add to that team. But no, they dropped a seven. Golden State gets a pick, and now they have two picks in the first round, which I could safely assume they could, they're probably going to trade to get another good. Um, a, a nice established player, but yeah, it, it, it's, that's definitely unfortunately for them. Um, Orlando, I mean, for Chicago, that's also an L because um, they lost their pick um, that they traded away the Vucevic trade. So unfortunate for them, but you know that's how it is. You you take risk when trading those protective picks, and sometimes this thing happens. So yeah, really, really like interesting draft. Um, let us know down below what you guys think. Who do you think were the biggest winners, biggest losers? Um, let us know down below. One more topic before we head out here. Um, we got news on the official um, Team USA roster for the Tokyo Olympics this summer. I'm going to read it out to you. Then me and Joe are going to just basically talk about how the U.S. is going to win this. And it's probably not much of a competition, but we'll go right into it. Yeah. Um, 12-man roster. We got Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, Kevin Love, Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, and Jeremy Grant and Jeremy Grant was a final addition because James Harden was on the team, but he pulled out. So Jeremy Grant was now his replacement. I mean, 12 NBA players, 12 pretty damn good NBA players. Joe, does anyone have a chance against the U S man? I mean, it just, this team just looks too good. Mm, not, not really, man. A lot of talent out there, man. Jesus. Just yeah. How much there's in the NBA and these aren't, I mean, they're fantastic players, but you're not even throwing in LeBron James. You know what I mean? Yeah, in that, in that thing. So it just shows you how deep you know the U.S. is, obviously, as far as talent pool is concerned. Yeah, a hundred, hundred percent. And 
I mean, like, who's like the next best roster? Maybe Canada. You got Wig- you got Wiggins. You got you don't even have Jamal Murray this year, so it's not even going to be like it's, it's probably going to be even more tougher for Team Canada. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, if you compare it to other um, U.S. teams of the past Olympics, I mean, obviously, you got the redeemed team in 2012 with like LeBron, Kobe. Durant, all those guys. I mean, obviously, it's going to be hard to match those teams, yeah. especially on a sh- on a on a short off season. But the guys they got on, I mean, it's it's it's, it's just too much talent. Um, I'm surprised as many guys actually decided to go because it's a short off season, especially guys Same. like like Drew, especially like Drew Holiday and Chris Milton, who are still in the playoffs. And if they make it to the finals, they're gonna like only have like a two month break. So them committing to team USA already is pretty crazy to me. Kevin Durant. I I mean, Kevin Durant, someone who I thought was just going to rest up his leg again. I mean, fair enough. I mean, play for your country. This has probably been a dream of their, of some of these guys ever since they were kids watching on TV, but you know, I'm surprised. I mean, they still got a really good roster out there. My only thing is, is they don't have a lot of bigs. I mean, they're only two like technically big men or Kevin love who is, clearly past his prime and then bam at a bio who's a really good center but let's be honest like team usa is not losing this right they're not of course not it's uh hopefully hopefully there's gonna be someone that's gonna help um be you know some sort of competition to them but yeah just this is not that's just not happening that's just not happening mm-hmm. but yeah let us know down below what you guys think the nba playoffs any of these topics after um after um, the nba playoff talk let us know um, in the comment section, DM me in the comments or just put in the comment section of the Instagram or the tweet, whatever you want to do. But I think this is, we're going to end things. Thank you guys for watching Joe. I'm going to give you the floor right now before we head out. Um, what do you have to say for your podcast and what do you have coming forward? Yeah. Uh, so just be on the lookout for it uh, tomorrow or Friday's episode uh, for this week. It's going to be for Quan Chimia, who's going to be, he's a one championship fighter. Next week, two awesome guests, two fighters on there, but the main one's going to be NFL uh, draft analyst uh, Connor Rogers, who's a fantastic guy. He is beyond there. We'll talk a lot about football there. And head over to the YouTube channel, Critical Condition Sports, to check out the review of the return of the Ultimate Fighter. I do a weekly review there with Jonah Rawls from Behind the Grind. It's real fun. And actually, spoiler alert for that one, folks, I'm actually going to give you the rest of the matchups for the rest of the season. So if you like that show, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, this guy's going to have all the NFL content for the upcoming season, all the UFC stuff, all the MMA stuff. You should definitely go check my guy out. Um, he comes on here to talk basketball, but this guy's expertise is in the MMA and the, in the NFL. This guy knows what he's talking about. But, yeah, this is where we're going to end things. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Remember to um, show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. Also, hit the notification bell. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for some awesome content. Um, coming next week, hopefully we have another guest coming for next Friday. I'm going to be putting out another episode on Monday, recapping the NBA weekend. And yeah, just thank you guys for all the support. We just eclipsed 3,000 downloads on the podcast, so thank you guys so much for all the support. Hey. Yeah, so great, another milestone. Thank you. Uh, um, um, just continue to show your support. Hopefully, we can get more guests on in the future. And of course, Joe will be back. Um, maybe for the finals, may- and definitely for the off season. So, again, thank you, Joe, for coming on. Thank you, brother, for having me. I love being on here. Of course, of course. He's always welcome. And thank you guys for watching. Hope you all have a fantastic day. That's Joe. This is TV. We're signing out. Take it easy, guys. Peace.